The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio. From the Global News Radio studios in Toronto, with Hi-Fi portfolio managers, here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good evening, my friends. We made it through another week. Optimism continues to increase the optimism meter that I pay a lot of attention to. Yes, it is going from left to right. And it's warming up. Uh, you can feel it. And, uh, well, patience and uh, get double-dosed. And uh, two weeks after that, you know, you're going to feel pretty safe. Uh, it's just a good thing. Uh, you're seeing the economy. Um, and, of course, the market is trying to uh, grapple with uh, rising inflation and interest rates. And, uh, you know, paying a lot of time and attention to our chief strategist, Tony Dwyer. Uh, he's uh, out in New York, of course, and uh, he basically thinks we're sort of in a doldrum, no man's land period where you don't do any harm. Uh, just maintain your current position uh, of, of, of balance and moderation. Uh, no big bets just yet. Um, it's a real delight uh, to uh, spend some time this evening with a very, very smart man from an amazing company. The company is uh, Fidelity Investments. Uh, the gentleman joining us tonight is uh, Elon Corlett. Uh, he belongs in Montreal, but in fact, he is working out of... Are, are you in Boston, Elon? Uh, so that's actually a really great question. So I am currently out of the Boston office, uh, located out of the Boston office, uh, but I, I'm Canadian, and I will be relocating back to... Um, well, I will be relo relocating to Toronto uh, at the end of July. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, getting paid in American dollars versus Canadian dollars as strong as our loony is. I, I still like being paid in American dollars, but uh, I'll leave I'll leave that decision up to you. We're going to talk about currency <laughs> later <laughs> later in the show. You know, I, I wanted to say, say, set the table here because uh, uh, I'm, I'm always very, very uh, privileged when I can speak with uh, a Fidelity manager. Um, Fidelity is one of the world's largest mutual fund companies. Uh, they have the smartest individuals working at that firm. Um, ETFs, sure. There's a place for ETFs. Passive investment, sure. Um, but, you know, old wives' tale, you get what you pay for. Uh, when I sit in front of uh, portfolio managers from Fidelity, behind them is an army of strategists, analysts, and so much power in that company that Companies that they invest in come to Fidelity. Fidelity doesn't go to them. They go to Fidelity. I have to ask a question now to you, Elon. Um, you, you heard the show promo. That, that's Warren Buffett, who, who um, uh, was gracious enough to <laughs> do the Hi-Fi radio show promo. Um, has, 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 has Buffett been through the doors of Fidelity, uh, you know, touting his company, Berkshire Hathaway? Uh, yeah, you know, so I, I sit in a slightly different area. I know. Um, you know, I know we do have analysts and managers who have, you know, close relations with uh, with Mr. Buffett, um, you know, the legendary investor. Um, wow. I, but but I but I, I really do think, uh, you know, what what you what you mentioned, Jack, is um, is really critical, which is that that army of researchers um, that that are not just on the stock side or the or the credit side, but also on the asset allocation side. So that's the team that. That's the team that I sat on for six and a half years, 
where my only role was to think about inflation, inflation protection, and commodity prices. And uh, in the context of asset allocation, in the context of of the assets that best protect you, but um, it, it definitely speaks to the point you made, Jack, about um, you know the the really incredible research resources we have at Fidelity. Um, uh, yeah. Part... Yeah. No. So sorry, Ian. Uh, Elon, it's, it's, by the way, it's Wolfgang. Uh, uh, Jack, of course, will be. He's uh, standing right by my side, uh, fifty miles away, of course. Um, but no, no, asset allocation. Uh, of course, I want to set the table again. I spoke about Fidelity. I want to speak about who you are, uh, Elon Colette. Uh, you're an institutional portfolio manager uh, in the Global Asset Allocation Group at Fidelity. Of course, Fidelity leading provider of investment management uh, solutions. Um, but y- y- your background is fantastic because prior to joining uh, that, that current role, uh, you were head of inflation and commodity research in the global asset allocation. Uh, perhaps that's part of the reason why you're coming back to Canada. Uh, Canada. Uh, there's a commodity bull market, uh, cyclical, secular, probably cyclical. That's the work that we've concluded, but uh, different different conversation. But prior to that, um, you, you worked, you were an editor at a Bloomberg News, uh, where you contributed to coverage of Canadian and U.S. economies. So uh, the fantastic um, uh, setup. Uh, for tonight's uh, discussion, Elon, I, and I really, once again, I want to thank you for spending some time with us this Saturday night. Um, then let's throw it over to Jack. So, Elon, thanks for joining us, and really do appreciate your time. Um, you were the head, you said, of inflation and commodities. What, what period of time uh, were you doing that role with Fidelity? Because, you know, basically the last 10 years before COVID, it was really quiet in terms of inflation, and commodity was in a bear market. Yeah, that's that, that's a good question. So I joined Fidelity. Um, I moved from Ottawa to the Boston area at the end of 2014 to join the asset allocation research team, um, which is which is headquartered in Boston. Um, and and you're right. You know, you're right, Jack. That you know, inflation was muted. I, I sometimes joke that my job was to make a number that hasn't budged in 25 years interesting every single month. But <laughs> you know, but 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 in but but in reality. I mean, while the underlying rate of inflation, let's call it core inflation, is remarkably stable and sometimes gets thrown around by, by you know, one-offs, what isn't stable is the price of inflation protection, right? So uh, underlying inflation is generally stable outside of, outside of major labor market dislocations. But, you know, through the time that I was covering inflation, 2014 to the end of 2020, the price of inflation protection, you know, let's say as measured by like a break-even inflation rate, uh, varied quite a bit. And so what that means is that presents opportunities to portfolio managers to read my research. For example, in 2015, when I said, you know, the price of inflation protection is very, very low because of oil moving from 100 bucks to 35 bucks, but underlying inflation is not as weak as the protection would suggest. It's time to buy a bunch of inflation protection because it's a it's almost a distressed asset, if you will. Um, and so that's the that's the sort of uh, it, within the multi asset class context, that's the kind of research and insight I was trying to provide on the inflation side, not just for the U.S. but also globally. And then uh, and then as well on the commodity side, right? So commodities, and I'm sure we'll get into this, are really effective hedges against unexpected changes to the rate of inflation, and you know there are there are moments. You know for, we can think of one last year when oil's negative twenty bucks, when no one thinks that it's going to remain that way. So uh, it may be it may be the right time to purchase 
to 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 sort of increase your allocation to assets like that if you think inflation is going to be higher in the medium term. You're getting very technical, uh, uh, Ilan, uh, which is cool for the uh, pro uh, money manager. For, for friends at home, I, I want to make sure that they maintain um, uh, focus uh, on, on the discussion at hand because we are talking about money, uh, your money, friends at home. We want you to have more of it. Um, and again, when, when, when Elon was speaking about inflation protection, um, he's speaking perhaps about an instrument called a TIPS, which is a, a bit of a funky mathematical type of bond that gives you interest plus inflation protection on a go-forward basis. But virtually no retail investor would ever consider buying such an instrument. Again, the point I want to make here is money can be made with the knowledge Elon uh, presents to his people, um, but they have to understand how to execute it. And again, the folks inside Fidelity are able to take advantage of such knowledge and wisdom and actually make money on the trade. Much more difficult uh, to do so at home. However, uh, Elon also spoke about inflation protection and, and parallel that with oil when it was zero, in fact, negative. They were Tankers were paying buyers to take the oil off the rate because they had to send the tanker back home. And, and, and one of my favorite um, mentors and, and very dear friend of mine, Jay McLinger, uh, said it was the buy of the century, buy of the year when oil went negative because no one was speaking about it. And of course, inflation did rear its head and oil moved. Anyway, so I'm, I'm going to assume, uh, Elon, when oil was trading negative, you must have been as an inflation hawk been quite interested in that trade and i assume you would have therefore advised it to your managers who were capable of buying uh, oil related assets uh, absolutely absolutely and so you know you raised a really good point i mean when oil was was trading at negative 20 dollars or zero um you know no one thought that that was clearly the result of a of a significant sort of once in our lifetime shock to the global economy, coordinated shock to the global economy. And, and as, you know, as you mentioned, with the recovery in economic activity, it's not surprising that we have seen, you know, a recovery in all sorts of commodity prices. So we've seen a recovery in commodity prices. And on top of that, we've seen um, pretty significant supply chain issues, right? So everyone knows that the, you know, the price of lumber at Home Depot is now extremely expensive. So we're right now in terms of the inflation picture, we we have a lot. We have sort of what I would call muddy data, and we're not going to get a clear read, I don't mm. think, on inflation towards the end of this year. So right now, you know, inflation is printing very very strong numbers compared to a year ago, but that's not that unexpected because a year ago, well, a little bit over a year ago, the inflation numbers were incredibly negative because of because we were in the midst of the, of the global pandemic. So if you compare the, the data now to roughly a year ago, it's not surprising that in a, in a percent change sort of way, you, you see a very, very significant increase. But the more concerning thing to me in terms of the inflation outlook are, are, are two things. First, we have um, very significant uh, supply chain disruptions that are still working their way through the data. And two, we still have you know, 7 million Americans, for example, out of work versus pre-COVID levels. And so we have a, we still have a pretty significant shock to the labor market that it's work, that is working its way through. Uh, we're speaking with Elon uh, Colette, um, institutional portfolio manager with uh, Fidelity, uh, focused on the global asset allocation group with Infidelity Investments. Uh, brilliant discussion. Uh, we're going to dig deeper into it. Any questions for Jack or I? 
WolfgangKlein.com. Saturday night, my good friends, uh, we're going to take a quick break and get right back to Hi-Fi Radio, Global News, 640 Toronto. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, I ain't no movie star, but I can get behind anything. Yeah, I can get behind anything. All right, my good friends, we're going to talk about dough. Indeed, but we're not going to blow it. We're going to grow it. Hey. Eh? Yes, let's grow some high dough. Indeed, Ilan uh, Colette, uh, Institutional Portfolio Manager in the Global Asset Allocation Group at Fidelity Investments, gracious to spend some time with us this Saturday night. I know Ilan has much better things to do, but he also is very passionate, as Jack and I are, about managing money. It's, it's fun. Uh, it's exciting. It's uh, ever-changing. Um, and it's important. Uh, and it matters. Uh, it matters a lot. Uh, indeed. We want all of you to have uh, copious amounts of cash, and then you can share it with those less fortunate, and you'll feel so much better about yourself. Yes, right? we got to get back to charity. I can't stop talking about that. It's so important. And COVID has woken us up to, I think, uh, more and more need out there, my good friends. So please, help your fellow man. We're, we're here to help you. Um, lumber prices. I'm, <laughs> I've mentioned this uh, repeatedly on that show, Elon. Uh, I'm, I'm renovating a home as we speak. And uh, I got my second shipment of lumber in. <laughs> my two by fours just arrived. Uh, literally, they're sitting in my driveway. I got the shipping slip, but I did not get the invoice. I'm, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to the invoice. My first invoice was probably double what it would have been a year ago uh, 20,000 bucks uh, versus probably 10 like a, a year ago. But uh, I was looking at the price of timber. Uh, lumber and friends at home this is so important this is so important as to how to help protect you from uh, yourselves and social media uh elon mentioned uh, at the open of the show uh that the, the prices of timber and two by fours at home depot are, are, are ridiculously priced and, and once that becomes front page you can't buy it you can't go with that story you gotta look the other way you gotta buy page 18 you gotta sell page one i'll be saying that over and over again on hi-fi radio uh point of the matter is if you go and uh, google the, the the price of lumber uh and you will see how it has a it has already had a huge correction um it, it sells per thousand board feet and if i'm not mistaken it's trading at around 800 bucks per thousand board feet of rough uh, timber, um, uh, well off its peak. And <clears throat> so, uh, Elon, you, you obviously agree with me. You, you see the price of all commodities. Um, and many have already corrected somewhat. O oil continues to look quite interesting. But if you were a betting man, Elon Colette, um, if you were a betting man, what would be your commodity du jour, say, for the rest of this year? I mean, I think I think what you mentioned is, is critical. Um, <clears throat> You know that a, there have been a lot of already significant significant corrections in in a lot of commodity markets. So you know, lumber has almost been cut in half in terms of its its peak price to where it is today. Um, and I, you, you know, I I hate to give you a cheeky answer, but I think the the way to invest in commodities is with a diversified basket of commodities, like the Bloomberg yeah. Commodity Index. Now, uh, not cheeky, you know, not cheeky. Oh, that's not cheeky. You're, you're polite. You're very polite. 
<laughs> I am Canadian. So, uh, right, so you I, are Canadian. Uh, I mean, we, we miss you, by the way, Eli. We miss you up here. We do. We're looking forward to you coming back. Um, yes, yeah, no, I'm, yes, I'm definitely me. looking forward to that. And 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 I you, you, you can have some. Check out the tragically hip beer when you when you get home. Right, <laughs> right. You don't you don't hear a lot of hip uh, here in the U.S., but um, but looking forward to that. But I I do think you know a diversified basket of commodities, which is how we invest in them. Um, in, in our funds in terms of commodity producers um, as well as gold producers is, is, is the right way to go be, because, you know, you can't, you don't want to just rely on one, one commodity play. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, oil, oil prices, um, again, I'm just looking at them right now. Oil prices, we've seen a, we've seen a pretty significant recovery um, from, from where we were, you know, a year ago, of course. Uh, and, and that, to me, that, that is a, a really strong sign that the global economy is normalizing. I mean, just like we saw a coordinated global retraction in activity, we're now seeing a coordinated global recovery. And, you know, you don't want to be on the sidelines for a coordinated global recovery. I don't not really happen very often. That's a very interesting point. Um, Jack, you know, I want you to uh, work with me here. Uh, you and I have been chatting a fair bit, and you, you've, been, you've been, you know, throwing some very sage advice to me. It's been good. Um, in terms of the extremes, because um, th th these rolling blackouts that have occurred this year, as we're talking about, when the market has these little 5 to 10% hissy fits, uh, we're calling them rolling blackouts because they seem to go from tech to commodities uh, to the bond market, et cetera. Um, uh, they, they set this. They set the stage for some extreme trading, which can, you know, wreak a little havoc with you. Uh, so I want you to, you know, again, offer the listener a little bit of advice, and, and then parlay that into a into a question back to Elon. Sure, it goes back to we've talked about it before, Wolf. You, you never when you're in the markets and investing in markets and in life in general, you don't want to get too high and you don't want to get too low. And right now, there is a lot of liquidity in the market, and Elon talked about that. You don't want to be on the sidelines. When in a global uh, economic recovery, especially when you have central banks out there, uh, although they're starting to take back some of the liquidity, it's very accommodative policy. But, uh, you know, we've seen some extremes. We've seen extremes with the meme stocks. We've seen uh, and, and corrections there. So up, up and then down. We also saw the same thing with FANG, which is basically the largest S&P 500 companies out there. Uh, we talked about commodities, lumber, oil. Um, those things have had extreme moves as well, both down and then to the upside as well. So. Um, as Elon was talking about, you really want to you know, have a diversified basket, you want to manage risk, and you want to be there to participate. And part of that is making sure that you don't get too concentrated, too much leverage, so that you get knocked out of the game. So on that note, Elon, what, what's your view on you know, the central banks right now with their cognitive policy? Because they are starting to take some of that back. Uh, do you see interest rates rising before 2023? Or do you see the taper um, maybe coming into effect sooner than the market's predicting? What, what's your views there, and how do you expect the market to react? Uh, great question, Jack, and I'm I'm glad you asked it because um, you know you know prior early in my career I, I I spent almost a decade at the Bank of Canada at the central bank, and you know in the past you know in the past when the when a recovery would gain steam and it would broaden, policymakers globally would would sort of remove the so-called punch bowl to use an old cliche to prevent the economy from, from overheating. But what we've been told, what we were told explicitly at last summer's Jackson Hole Conference, Fed Jackson Hole Conference in Wyoming, is that this just isn't the case anymore. 
and, you know, the Fed is, and other central bankers, I believe, are going to be very comfortable being patient and permissive and stay on the sidelines to not uh, sort of um, put the recovery in, in, any, in harm's way, if you will. And, you know, so now, now the, the central banking lens has broadened. It's no longer just an unemployment rate and an inflation rate. It's, it's for example, in the U.S., it's an unemployment rate across, um, you know, six or seven different demographic groups and, in, you know, across gender and across incomes. And for inflation, it's not just uh, one number that they're targeting. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, it is one number they're targeting, but the timeline or the horizon over which they're targeting it has become a little squishier. So they told us that periods of weak inflation were going to be met with periods of higher inflation that they will try to achieve so that the average over some unspecified period of time looks like their inflation target. But what does that mean for policy, to answer your question? Um, it means, I think, in my view, uh, the, the Fed, for example, will be comfortably on the sidelines. Now, they did, uh, you know, they did acknowledge that inflation was, was stronger uh, than prior forecasts, um, and that, that does change the path of rate expectations. But in general, I think the overarching theme remains policy, both fiscal and monetary, is going to remain exceptionally accommodative. And that's one of the reasons in our portfolios we have a very clear risk-on position. Um, let's, let's speak about what you do uh, best, and, 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 and again, your focus uh, of your current position, uh, Elan Colette, uh, Institutional Portfolio Manager in the Global Asset Allocation Group at Fidelity Investments. Um, global economic recovery. When, when, when you speak about asset allocation, just to remind our listeners at home, uh, asset allocation basically means how much money are you going to have in stocks, which are equities, how much in bonds, which are fixed income, and how much money sitting safely in cash or T-bills or near cash-like investments, and perhaps within that mix, how much commodity exposure, do you have some gold exposure? That is called an asset allocation mix. Um, so currently, Jack and I are, have remained, uh, Elon, in, in this uh, low interest rate environment overweight stocks, underweight bonds, and cash used tactically uh, at best. Um, what is your current recommendation to a, let's say, a balanced portfolio manager within Fidelity? Uh, I would say, you know, we're, we're sort of simpatico. I mean, we right now um, are, you know, our global balance portfolio, which is, which is uh, you know, the main sort of flagship global balance portfolio, has about you know, it's a 60-40 portfolio of stocks, bonds, but right now we're about 67, 68, almost 70 um, um, equity and, and then a little bit more than 30 in, in the bond space. And it is because, um, you know, working, hmm. as you mentioned, uh, you know, this coordinated global economic recovery, very permissive and patient policymakers uh, on the sidelines and our view that, um, that's, that you know, you don't want to be you have to own risk in a coordinated global economic recovery like, like we're observing right now. The important thing I would say, though, is it, these portfolios are very well diversified. You know, so it's not just U.S. or Canadian equities, right? There are U.S., Canadian, emerging markets, um, overseas developed. Uh, they're very well diversified across both the stock and bond space. And that's, that's sort of how we win. 
Well, no, and I'll tell you uh, again, friends at home, uh, the the global stock space is one thing, and even that going outside of North America and, and adding in some, even some British stocks or some German stocks directly, not so easy. Yes, there are ADRs that you can participate in, uh, and they too have limitations to them. But you want to get sophisticated and talk about where the real um, uh, secret sauce kicks in is on that thirty uh, percent global bond. Uh, element. Uh, that is very, it's, it's virtually impossible to do at home. Uh, very difficult even for a retail advisor to do on Bay Street and even Wall Street uh, because you need to have offices globally to be able to take advantage of the b local bond market. Correct, uh, Elon? Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Um, you know, we, one of the, again, one of the powers of Fidelity is its global reach um, with with international bond managers and, and of course, domestic bond managers that we're able to tap and use as, as uh, sort of underlying building block managers in, in the strategies and, and the funds that we run for, for Canadian investors. And again, all of those underlying fund managers are supported by that army of research, right? So they know the names, so they, they know the stocks and the credits that they believe will best be able to sort of stick handle the reopening trade, for example. And, and that's, that kind of intelligence has been, has been absolutely critical for the, for the management of, of our funds. No, we have an immense respect for your company. We really, really do. And in fact, there's a lot of envy that I have. As you do, you have more resources available, and your managers have way more resources available to them than Jack or I. And guess what? That's why we partner with you. Indeed, we do. And let's speak, if we may, Elon, about countries. The U.S. has been the dominant market for the last 10 years. The S&P 500 um, uh, uh, trouncing on every index uh, internationally, you name it, from, from, from China uh, to the Morgan Stanley Global Index uh, to the Canadian market, uh, and specifically the Canadian market, massive outperformance. Uh, uh, I think it's up uh, about 300% off the low versus Canada, maybe 100% off the low. Uh, but for the next couple of years, with this commodity bull market, with this global uh, synchronized uh, the, the risk-on environment, uh, I think Canada is going to have it stay further. Uh, the question is, uh, how much further? So the outperformance of Canada has, has occurred this year. Uh, Elon, what's your forecast? How, for, for how many months or quarters or, or years can Canada outperform the U.S. based on the global setup? Right. So, I mean, in our portfolios, actually, we have, um, I mean, we have uh, obviously um, a significant share of Canada in our, in our funds. But tactically, we actually have underweights to Canada, meaning we don't have very positive views on Canada um, in our funds. And of course, you know, that's flown in the face of, of what we've observed since the start of this year. But really, that view stems from an imbalance that we see uh, having, having existed pre-COVID and really exacerbated through COVID. So, you know, a view that we've had for some time relates to this imbalance. Basically, too much of the growth in Canada over the last more than a decade has been debt-fueled housing and consumer spending, really at the expense of exports and productive investment spending, exports historically the backbone of the Canadian economy. So to put that in perspective, um, roughly one in every $10 of Canadian GDP now is just housing, and Canadians now spend more on just the 
commissions on real estate than the oh. entire value of car and truck exports coming oh. out of Canada. Uh, Elon, and, uh, my friend, please uh, kindly hold that thought. You 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 are striking nerves. Um, we have to get Jack's giving me the quick wrap here. No, you're striking nerves. I we'll have to come back to you. Uh, let's go to a quick commercial break. It's Hi-Fi Radio, Global News, six forty in Toronto. We're gonna get back with Elon Collette. We're talking now about the Canadian housing market and and why Elon and 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 his position to with fidelity is continue to underweight Canada because we have too much real estate exposure. Stay tuned. It's going to be great. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is Saturday, my friends. We're talking money. Sci-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, my partner, Jack Hartle, producer of this show. In fact, Jack is. Uh, did a great job lining up some amazing guests for us this evening. Scott Chan, our very own uh, financial analyst, is going to join us. Uh, but right now, we're going to get back with uh, Elon Collette. Uh, he is with Fidelity. Uh, he is in the Global Asset Allocation Group. He's an institutional portfolio manager. Uh, he's Canadian uh, and he's coming home soon. Um, spent his time in Ottawa. He's been working at Bloomberg News. Uh, the, the man is well seasoned and it's a delight to be able to spend some time with you uh, this uh, evening, Elon. Uh, um, part of the break, you said you, you remain underweight Canada because of the imbalances of that we have. Please elaborate on what you mean by the imbalances and speak further than about the centricity of our economy around real estate and the risks that presents. Right, and, you know, so this is a view that we've had for some time. Um, it's really that too much of, of the growth in Canada has been this debt-fueled housing and consumer spending at the expense of exports, right? So everyone now has their own favorite housing anecdote, you know, about the neighbor who sold for three times as much as a few years ago. Um, but this has become a, a pretty significant, a pretty significant issue in our view. Um, and you know, the only way we think, and we, we're, we're not sure how it ends or when it ends, but um, you know, generally housing bubbles don't end well. I mean, the way we implement this view in in the portfolios we manage is is our view that the only way to remedy this imbalance over the long run is really with a sizable depreciation of the Canadian dollar, basically to make the things that we produce and dig out of the ground cheaper for the neighbors that buy them. So think, you know, the manufacturing output from, from, from the East and the commodities, you know, in the prairies in the West. And so, but, but importantly, you know, that underweight that we have to Canada we use it to source an overweight position in emerging markets, right? So emerging markets in Canada, they share some similarities, <laughs> namely their, like, you know, namely their exposure to a recovering global economy. And we don't want to miss out on that. But again, we think the EM uh, world is a better place for us to play this play that sensitivity that doesn't have some of those 
um, the debt issues, uh, you know, that, that Canada has. has if I may, Elon, if I, I just want to jump in here uh, quickly. Um, so you're, you, you prefer emerging markets over Canada. When you speak emerging markets, you're speaking about Korea, you're speaking about Vietnam, uh, correct? Uh, China. Um, you know, China is the largest weight in that EM index. Um, mm. and, and I forgot about that yeah, little country. Because I don't, I don't view it as an emerging market anymore, but so it, China still is considered an emerging market. For the purposes of the, of the, of the um, building blocks that we use, yes. Okay. Um, you're right. It's, it's, it's emerged, you know, quite a bit um, from, from where it was, you know, a decade ago. But, but our view here is, you know, a global recovery in activity is really going to benefit the cyclical uh, countries like Canada, like, like EM. Yeah, but the EM for us is the place to to be interested in, where we don't have some of these um, structural issues that Canada has right now. So you 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 think it's safer to be, on balance uh, if you want that cyclical recovery to to to, to park some money in China, Vietnam, uh, Korea, and the likes than, than it is Canada, which I find it quite interesting because uh, rule of law certainly is better in Canada. A geopolitical environment is more stable in Canada, yet there's issues that cause you to take your money well overseas. So, so what's really, and again, we got about 30 seconds or 15 seconds, what really bothers you about Canada? Um, it is, it is the, that private debt, public debt, and corporate debt are all exceptionally high right now. And um, that's just not a good position uh, for, a, for a country to be in. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's imminent, but there's, it's not impossible that you could see, a, you know, a lender strike or, or even a re-rating um, in the future if, if some, of this, some of these issues, you know, come home to roost. The, the, the chief risk here is if inflation starts to move higher and the central bank needs to raise rates, there are a tremendous number of households that we believe are vulnerable to to that to the higher interest rate environment and it's without not surprising question. given where where debt levels are yeah no without question um uh, uh somber advice my good friend uh elon colette uh, a delight to spend time i, I can spend hours with you my good friend but we do got to make some time here for scott chan uh our uh, chief financial analyst at can accord uh, elon colette institutional portfolio manager in the global asset allocation group at fidelity investments uh happy canada day a uh, and well, enjoy the fourth, the fourth of July. You're off on Monday. Wall Street is closed, of course, on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, what's left of it, Elon? I want to thank you once again, uh, my good friends. Stay tuned. We're going to speak about the Canadian banks, Canadian shares, uh, with Scott Chan uh, right after this. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I love that song. Joe Strummer, the class. You know, I'm renovating a house. And I keep talking about my home renovation until it's done. Okay? And you know how these projects go, my good friends. Yes, longer and more expensive than you expect. Uh, 
we all know when you're dealing with tradespeople, some people like cash. Um, I have lots of cash in the bank. Uh, can I take it out legally? No. 3000 bucks at a crack. Uh, they say we don't have any cash on site. Which leads me to friends at home. If you ever think about robbing a bank, good luck. They don't have any cash in there anymore. Uh, I share that with you anecdotally. Uh, indeed, I've, I've, I've seen stories of people trying to <laughs> rob the ATM machine with a pickup truck and tie a chain to it. Yeah, good luck on that move too. Uh, this data, listen to the show. We'll help you have money. You don't need to rob anything. You're going to have so much money uh, if you follow the process, which means time, patience, quality, uh, you do that for 25 years, my good friend, you'll have plenty of money. I said 25 years. May you live long and prosper. And this is how you do it. Uh, indeed, Scott Chan, uh, financial service analyst uh, at Canaccord. He covers the banks and uh, asset managers. Uh, interesting to have you on the show following these statements um, from uh, Elon Colette uh, at Fidelity. Uh, Elon is very, very concerned about the housing bubble here in Canada. He's concerned about the debt levels and the consumer spending in Canada and thinks perhaps uh, there is a housing bubble and when it bursts, it's gonna burst uh, significantly as housing bubbles never burst pleasantly. Um, and I mm -hmm. hope he's wrong, but you know, it's always on our mind with the amount of debt out there with cheap money. But if that were to happen, uh, I have to ask my next guest right at the stop here, Mr. Scott Chen, that would not be good for the banks. And, and yet you are quite interested in the Canadian banks. You think that there's still decent investments. So with, with that set up, can you please speak to your sector? Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, housing and, and mortgages and, and to a certain extent, HELOCs are, are such a, a big of bank possibility. Um, and uh, it, it comprises like, um, you know, almost up to 50% of its loan book in Canada. Like CIBC, the highest in the world would be second. So any... Sorry, Scott, I, have to, I got to cut you off here. I don't want to cut you off. I want to make sure the audience heard what you said uh, about the CIBC. Did you say 50% of the loans that they have outstanding are uh, residential real estate related? Yeah, yeah. So they would be they would be the highest in Canada world. Hmm. Second, like just looking at their Canadian books. So like it's a it's a massive, um, you know, it's a massive proportion of the book. Um, and during the pandemic, as you know, it's been supportive, right? I mean, mortgage growth in Canada has been about nine, ten percent. You know, looking at a year-over-year basis, compared to historical standards at six percent. And besides the pandemic, no one would have thought that. And uh, you know, because of the low-rate low environment, I mean, housing prices in certain areas are up like thirty percent year-over-year. Um, so as we said right now, Wolfgang, like it, like you know. You know, from the bank's perspective, the, the, the credit is good because prices are higher. Uh, but a bubble, like if it does burst, you know, there could be some ramifications for sure down the road. And we always see, you know, these bubble talks, uh, you know, emerge in the Canadian housing market during market cycles. Uh, yep. But if you look over time, it's been very resilient, right? It has uh, been. Remarkable. It is Remarkable, yeah. Remarkable. But, but, so, but as things stand right now, again, you and Jack off air were eating the popcorn before the movie began. Uh, I had to slap you around a little bit. Don't, friends at home, when you go to the movie and you order popcorn, don't eat it in the lobby. You got to wait till you get into the theater. And same with when I put this radio show, uh, you know, some great talk we have off air. I said, hold those thoughts, are great thoughts. I want, I want the audience to hear this stuff here. Um, but Canadian banks, uh, again, they report every time they report results. Every second quarter, they tend to raise their dividend. They tend to hit record earnings, uh, and as such, they have 
what you said off air to Jack was excess liquidity. Friends, liquidity, we use this word all the time. It just means cash. Uh, liquidity is good, liquid, it's fluid. Things are happening when there is liquidity. And when there's no liquidity, you got a problem. But so you, you see the banks still have ample cash uh, able to buy back stock and increase their dividends on a go forward basis, assuming the bubble doesn't burst in real estate. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as you said, record earnings. Look at the last two quarters. And, you know, these are record earnings from the banks, from the small businesses, including capital markets, right? Which has been very supportive at all. Right now, the regulator Aussie has um, has a halt on 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 dividend increases and share buybacks. Mm. But we think that they will uh, remove that lift uh, come September, at least in September. Uh, and the banks are well positioned, you know, excess liquidity, record capital levels. To, uh, to resume dividend growth and share buybacks. And, and kind of looking at the payout ratio, going back to earnings, most banks have a payout ratio between 40 and 50%. The group average is 40% in 2022, so at the low end. Um, and historical dividend growth has been about 6% for the Canadian bank, so it's not. So we think that there, there can be above average dividend growth coming from the banks. One option does lift that. And National, BMO, World, and TD are most likely to exceed that 6% on an annual basis. Um, buybacks are a bit more trickier because bank stocks have rallied so much. I mean, they're 20% above pre-pandemic levels. Valuations are in line with its historical average. So we could see kind of typical buybacks that banks have done traditionally between 1% to 2% of total shares. TD is the one that probably stands out because it's got record excess capital, like well beyond the other banks. And they could be uh, in the best position to, uh, to do more buybacks than the 2%. And they were in a similar position before the pandemic as well, buying a lot of stock uh, with their excess capital. Uh, we, we spoke with Scott Chan, uh, my good friends. We are out of time. A show about money. It goes so quick. Uh, it's so exciting. It's so important. Uh, each and every Saturday right here on Global News 640 in Toronto, Jack and I spend an hour uh, with you uh, to help you have more money. Who doesn't want more of that? Eh? I want to wish you a safe weekend. Uh, be prosperous. Be happy. Uh, Hope you had a great Canada Day and, you know, take Monday off as the 4th of July too. Uh, Jack and I, of course, will be working very hard on Monday back in the office. It's been a while. I'm looking forward to seeing Jack. Uh, Scott, I know you've been going downtown a lot. I hope to see you as well. But between now and then, my good friends, have a great weekend. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.